0: As we enter into these holiday seasons, what emotions come to mind during this season? Is there a sense of excitement imagining bright lights? Our family went to Christmastown, USA this week. Bright lights everywhere. Is it the first snow, although we haven't had a snow in Charlotte in two years, Or is it family gatherings, the excitement of family gatherings? Or are you consumed with feelings of stress, thoughts of what if, and how you're going to manage getting everything done in time? Perhaps the the holidays bring about a great sense of sadness or loss. Realistically, you may have a combination of all these emotions going on over the next Days, weeks, month. This, ser- this season carries with it a, a large bag of emotions for most of us. So how do we manage the ups and downs of the holiday season? Today we're, we're continuing in our series, The Hymns of Advent. This is a series where we are highlighting a specific hymn each week that we're familiar with. They're Christmas songs that we've grown up singing. We're not exegeting the songs. We're not breaking down each word in the song in the song like we do in the word. But we'll be looking at a specific passage that the song was inspired by or is foundational to that hymn, that song that we're singing. Our hope for this series is that those familiar hymns and we said this last week that those familiar hymns will become windows into the story Of the scriptures that we'll see through these hymns, God's plan to redeem a world for Himself. We'll be in Psalm 98 today, and my hope for all of us is that we would respond to this psalm the way Isaac Watts did in 1719 as he wrote Joy to the World. He wrote a poem based on Psalm 98 never to be a song sung. Yet now it's one of our most popular Christmas hymns. It wasn't written as a Christmas carol. In its original form, it had nothing to do with Christmas. Isaac Watts was one of the greatest hymn writers in church history. And nothing shows that better than the fact that he wrote one of his most famous hymns by accident. In 1719, Watts Published a book of poems in which in which each poem was based on a psalm, but rather than just translate the original Old Testament text, he adjusted them to refer, refer more explicitly to the work of Jesus as it has been revealed in the new testament right that 's really how we come to the Word of God through a christological lens we put on Our Christological lens because we're new covenant people and we see how the Old Testament is interpreted through Christ. In Luke 24, Jesus tells us that all of it's about him. All of it's about me. That's what he says. So as we read the Old Testament and as as Watts did, we want to see how it's fulfilled in Christ. Watts interpreted Psalm 98 as a celebration of Jesus' role as king of both his church and the whole world. More than a century later, so just get this, just get this for, for a second, 1719, more than a century later, somewhere in the 1820s or 30s, the second half of this poem was slightly adapted and set to music to give us what has become one of the most famous of all Christmas carols, Joy to the World. We just sang this song a few minutes ago. We're going to sing it after the sermon today. I'm going to read it now. It's hard to read. Have y'all ever tried to read a song? You just want to sing it, but I'm not going to sing because like the psalm's going to tell us today, it would just be a joyful noise to the Lord. So joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. This song is is one of praise to King Jesus. When, When Watts penned this, he's actually looking to the second advent, the coming of the Lord Jesus in the future. In it we see great joy and hope, for he's not only a king, but he's also savior and judge. He's coming to make all things new by reversing the curse that we see come upon the earth in Genesis 3. Watts wrote this poem out of studying Psalm 98. As we go into Psalm 98 today, our big idea is this. Let all creation worship the Lord With joy filled praise. What emotions come during the holidays? Oh, may it be joy filled praise because you are redeemed, because you know King Jesus. Let me read Psalm 98, and then I want to pray for us. Psalm 98 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let's pray, Father, you are so good you've given us your word you've given us songs that remind us of your word that showcase your word to us father we're grateful for what you have accomplished in christ sending your son to become like us him humbling himself to the point of death even death on a cross that we may have life so father our our prayer our longing is that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess now instead of later. For Lord, we know as as the judge comes, as Christ returns, those who have never bowed the knee to King Jesus will spend eternity separated from him. For he judges with righteousness and equity. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Psalm 98, as as we just read, Psalm 98 is a psalm of celebration. It's a psalm of rejoicing. It's a psalm of exhortation. Rejoice, sing praises, make a joyful noise, break forth into song. It's found in the fourth book of the Psalms. If you were to turn back to Psalm 90, where the fourth book begins, and you were to read up to Psalm 98, you're going to see, praise God, praise God, praise God, for he reigns, for he reigns. This is what we're seeing as we come into Psalm 98. It's a psalm of praise to the Lord. There's an an exhortation to sing to the Lord. For we see the Lord save, we see the Lord reign, and we see him judge. We see not only Israel singing this song and being exhorted, but we also see all of creation and all the nations being told, sing to the Lord, make a joyful noise to Him. So why should all creation worship the Lord with joy-filled praise? Why? I think this psalm gives us three reasons why all creation should worship the Lord with joy-filled praise. And I hope as we as we look at this psalm, we will be filled with joy-filled praise. We will have joy in this season where maybe there's a whole mixed bag of emotions going on in our lives. The first in verses 1 through 3, we see that there is a revealed savior. There is a revealed savior. He begins this psalm, "O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. There's an exhortation to sing. And then he's going to give us reasons to sing. There's five reasons here that I, that, that I saw to sing. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Exhortation. Sing a new song. Why? First reason. For he has done marvelous things. Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. What marvelous things has the Lord done. Let's go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2. He created the world by simply speaking, and it was. That's pretty marvelous. It's pretty amazing. Let there be, and there was. Ex nihilo, out of nothing, God created all things. Then, as sin comes into world into Genesis 3, I think this is a marvelous thing. He wipes out this world. He decreates what he created. Yet in his, in his goodness, in his kindness, he spares a family. Noah and his family are spared. If we continue on in Genesis, he does a marvelous thing in the life of Abraham and Sarah. At 100 years old and 90 years old, they have a kid, Isaac. As we continue on in Genesis, he does a marvelous thing. We read about it this morning as a family. He does a marvelous thing in the life of Joseph. He spares Joseph's life so that he may become secondhand man, ruler in Egypt. Why? So that the people would be spared. So that one day God could deliver them, and that moves us into Exodus. God could deliver his people and do marvelous things in their lives. Through plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea, God did marvelous things. Forty years pass, and God does another marvelous thing. He provides for them, but then he brings them into this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. It's a marvelous thing. They cross the Jordan, and they come upon this city called Jericho. Y'all know this story. They, God's like, hey, just walk around the city, and I'll, I'll, I'll crush it. So they walk around the city seven times, and the city falls apart. It's rubble. God is doing marvelous things. If we fast forward to Isaiah, where where Matt read this morning, we see God promising marvelous things. God brings the people out of exile and then the most marvelous thing. One of the Advent books that we're reading as a family, it starts in Genesis 1 and it goes all the way to Christ's birth on December 25th. And every day, the whole idea is there's a gift from God, gift of creation, right? Gift of rest, gift of um, today was just gift of life with, with Joseph and God's, God's caring for him. But then at the end of every day, it says, this was a good gift, but there's a best gift coming. What is it? What is it? God has done marvelous things because at the cross, He sacrificed his son for the sins of the world. What a marvelous thing that is. What a marvelous thing that is. And then three days later, God raised him from the dead, which we sang about earlier. All hell, King Jesus, God has done marvelous things. Second, he's worked salvation by his power. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The right hand of the Lord signifies his power. He has worked salvation by his power. Salvation comes from the Lord's work. Three, in verse two, he's made known his salvation. He's made known his salvation. We see it in his word. He made known his salvation through Moses, a mediator. He continues to do that through other mediators, through other prophets, until he gets to Christ, where we see all things are fulfilled and his salvation is made known through his word. Fourth, He's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. God is righteous. He is right in all his ways. He's holy and just. And it says here that he has revealed it in the sight of all the nations. His salvation is on display. One commentator said this, There is an international display of God's righteousness to the nations. An international display, not just to the Jews, the Israelites, but to all nations. And fifth, why shall we sing? Why should we sing? Because God has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to Israel. We see if we were to, if we were to work through Genesis to really Revelation, we see Israel has been protected even in exile God God draws them out of exile. Even when the nations rage against Israel, God protects them. The Lord is faithful to his promises. He has steadfast love and faithfulness to his promises. His chosen people, not because of anything they did, but because he chose them in his mercy. And now we see, we see that this steadfast love and faithfulness has led to the salvation so that all the ends of the earth may see this good news. Here we, we, we see again in Psalm 98, there's, a, there's just a, a resounding call that the nations will be made aware of this. The nations may see the the nations may hear, the the nations may know. If you look to the left and right of you, behind and forward to you, you see that the nations have known. This story began in Israel. It has come to this nation and it's going to all nations now. Caleb and Catherine just shared there's 3,000 unreached, unengaged people groups left who have never heard the name of Jesus. There's no gospel work among them. Psalm 98 tells us that this message is for the nation. Salvation has been made known so that they may hear and receive. This is why we send to the nations. This is why we long to see our neighbors across the street reach with the gospel but also our neighbors across the world reach with the gospel. Caleb's already asked this, but I'm going to ask it again. Is he calling you today? Is he calling you to go short-term, or is he calling you to go career? In, in light of one through three, Isaac Watts writes, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy have you experienced this revealed salvation it says here the lord has revealed righteousness this is bad news for us that his righteousness is revealed because in seeing the righteousness of the lord in seeing his holiness and goodness there's only one right response and that is woe is me for i'm a sinner living in the midst of sinners i can't even look up because God's holiness and righteousness is so vibrant. I'm a sinner in the hands of a God whose wrath should be poured out on me. We we see our sinfulness, we see our desperate plight. You deserve hell, you deserve condemnation, We need someone to make us right with a righteous God. But in in the righteousness of God being revealed, there's also good news for all of us. Because God has done something incredible and marvelous. He has revealed his salvation to the nations. Listen to how Paul describes this in Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of the world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is your desperate plight. Dead in sins and trespasses. But then verse 4 brings a marvelous work. (laughs) Verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, he's remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How will you respond to his marvelous works? to his revealed righteousness, to his salvation. It's by grace through faith that you'll repent and believe, that you'll turn from your sin because you stand before a righteous God. And the truth is if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Our God is a saving God. We're exhorted to sing to this revealed savior. So why does this, why does knowing the Savior, the revealed Savior, fill us with joy? Ephesians 2 answers it. You were dead in your sins and trespasses, but God has now given you life. You were dead, but now you're alive. We're alive, church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are alive. And that should fill us with great joy. In verses 4 through 6, As we continue on in Psalm 98, we see a second reason to be joy-filled worshipers. And it's because we have a praiseworthy king. We have a praiseworthy king. Verse 4 again exhorts us, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Zechariah 9.9 is a prophecy pointing to the coming Messiah And this is what he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is the right right response to the coming king. Rejoice, shout, praise. Let us worship God. Let us worship this king for he's praiseworthy. Make a joyful noise. Break forth in singing says, joyous songs. Sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord. Use instruments. Y'all heard it earlier. Noah's, Noah's picking away right there, man. I was like, oh, we're about, to, we're about to blow the roof off of this place. You know, like, let's, let's be stirred by instruments. It's okay to be stirred by instruments as we sing. Use instruments to worship the Lord. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king. The Lord, it says joyful noise. I'm so grateful for these verses because I can't sing a lick. But it says make a joyful noise. I'll do that all my days. Our praise is due to the king for he is worthy of this. He's the only one worthy. If you're giving your praise to anyone else, to anything else, you are an idolater, worshiping creation rather than the creator. Isaac Watts writes, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room in heaven and nature sing. Does your life show that you are praising the king? Have you received the king? Has your heart prepared him room? Have you turned from your sin and believed in Christ? Have you you got out of the way? Have you removed yourself from the throne of your life and allow Christ to take his rightful place? We must devote our lives to serving him and living for his namesake among all the nations. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. How does this fill us with joy? It's security. Jesus is reigning and ruling in our lives. We don't have to be in control of everything. Everything. He's in control. Yeah, things may not go right this week or over Christmas. You may not have all your ducks in a row. It's okay. Jesus is in control, and He fills you with joy. And we worship Him. We've seen the call for all to worship the Lord, for He is a revealed Savior, He's a praiseworthy King. And finally, in verses 7 and 9, he is the coming judge. He's the coming judge. Joy and judgment doesn't seem to go hand in hand, right? All creation is called now to respond to the Lord. Listen to verses 7 and 8. This is incredible. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Here, creation is addressed. Creation is exhorted. Everything that fills the sea, everything that dwells on the earth, the rivers and the hills sing for joy. Why? Because he's coming. The Lord is coming to judge the earth. All creation must respond. How can this be joyful? Because our judge comes and he judges with righteousness and equity. He doesn't come as, as one who is sinful, who is after his, really after his own gain. He comes as one who is ruling and reigning in righteousness and equity. He's righteous, so that's how he judges. He shows no partiality. He, he judges in equity, fairness and justice. Watts again helps us here. He tells us he rules the world with truth and grace. And he makes the nations prove. I've always, I've always got to stop by that. I'm like, what, what does that mean? What does prove mean? Well, If you keep going in the song, it actually tells us. He makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. To prove something is to test it and see if it's reliable, as in proving ground. This king, this judge, will not be ignored. He will compel attention. All men will prove him, they will judge him to be reliable or not. Sooner or later, all the nations will face his grace and righteousness, either with faith and joy or with rejection and misery. The nations will prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. As we think about Jesus coming and judging the world, Romans eight nineteen to 23 gives us hope. Here Paul addresses creation and then he transitions and he addresses us. And this is what he says. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The coming of Jesus, the coming of Jesus will bring new life, newness to all things. All creation worships the Lord. All creation longs to be made right. When this judge comes... He will judge with righteousness and equity. In Matthew 25, Jesus talks about his coming. And he uses three parables, three pictures to help us understand the coming judgment. These are warnings to, yes, the people he's talking to, but they're also warnings to us to be ready. In the first parable, he talks about 10 virgins who are awaiting the bridegroom. Some are ready and have enough oil. But others run out of oil and miss the bridegroom. To the point of where the bridegroom says, I don't know you. I don't know you. The next parable is one of a, of a man who entrusts money to his servants. His expectation on them is that they would be good stewards upon his return. He gave five talents to one. A talent is worth 20 years of wage. It's a lot of money. One he gives five talents, to another he gives two, and to the last he gives one. Upon his return, he judged the servants based on their stewardship. Two of them had been good stewards, and this is what they hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The other servant is approached by the master And he has nothing to show for it. He went and dug a hole and buried his talent. And this is what the master says. You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine, my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has who has will be will more be given, and he will have in an, an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then judgment comes, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you thought about the coming judge? What will you hear when he returns and ask you? about everything he's given you. Are you ready? Are you a good steward over your life? Are you a good steward of what God has given you? You will be judged with righteousness and with equity. Jesus finished chapter 25 with a picture of his coming, where he will sort the sheep from the goats. Eternal life, eternal punishment. The judge is coming. Judgment and joy. How does this fill you with joy? How does this fill us with joy? Many many people are scared by this. There's a judge coming. I'm going to stand condemned. I think the right response to this judge is one of assurance that all will be made right. The Son of Man comes. He will come to right what was wrong. And when he comes, there will be no more sin, no more sorrow for his sheep, for those who know his voice and go to him. Do you know this, Judge? Have you turned from your sin? And turn to the good shepherd, the coming judge. As our our band makes their way back up and we finish with joy to the world, Psalm 98 gives us assurance. For those who have repented and believed in Jesus, Jesus is our savior, our king, and also the coming judge who will restore all of creation to its original harmony. Let us today, with all of creation, worship him with joy-filled praise. Let us long for the coming, for when he comes, he will make all things new. We're going to sing this, but this is how Watts interpreted this. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. You see the reversal of the curse? All creation was affected by the curse. When Christ returns, all creation will be made right. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. Father, we await the coming of Jesus. We long for that day, for we long to see this curse done away with. We long to see a new heavens and a new earth where Jesus will reign for eternity. Pray this in his name. Amen.